You're listening to Thunder Quack Podcast Network. You're listening to the Pull Box Podcast. The International Graphic Novel Book Club. Here are your hosts, Curtis Finley and Michael Cohen. Welcome back to another episode of Pullbox Podcast. Uh, I am your host, Curtis Findlay. I am your other host, I'm Michael Cohen. And this is the very first episode of 2016. Yeah. Woohoo! We hope you had a great holiday. Uh, I know that it's been quite a while since we've um, we've podcasted. Uh, yeah, it's uh, we've quite a while. <laughs> yeah, well, and it's a good thing because we've had a lot going on yeah. in our own lives. Yeah, um, um, yeah. I mean, uh, I've been I've been saying on a lot of podcasts because they all kind of took a break right at the same time, and it was all before Star Wars, before The Force Awakens. <laughs> yeah. So I have like a life before The Force Awakens and a life post Force Awakens. Um, that's for me and my own experience. For you, it's even more so. <laughs> yeah, um, it's even more so because A Force Awakens happened to be the very moment, like in the movie theater, when my <laughs> wife's water broke and we had to leave <laughs> in order to yeah. have a baby. So, yeah, uh, and then, yeah, of course, after that, life drastically changes. Yeah. Um, if you want the full story of, of that and how that played out, I, I've been drawing that in comic form on my um, daily comic uh, called Kids A, which is at curtisfindley.tumblr.com. Yeah. So you can check out that because it's, uh, yeah, it's a fun story. Yeah, um, but yeah, and then uh, you've got a big change coming up too. Yeah, we're uh, we're we're moving. Uh, Crystal and I just bought a house, so uh, well, great. not a townhouse, but still um, property yeah. ownership is yeah. great. And uh, and so we're in the process of packing. It's you guys can't see it as you listen, but it is chaos in my normally somewhat organized living room. Um, but the cool thing is that after the move we'll be recording all of our podcasts from the new Thunderquack podcast studio Whoa, at my new house so fancy i which it which is going to be cool so i uh, you might actually notice a uh, a change in quality <laughs> in the podcast uh, coming in the future probably not right away cuz we'll probably continue to use the same method just some better time. microphones and stuff but yeah yeah by uh, having a dedicated space is definitely going to um, allow me the opportunity to to sort of up my game on now it's a townhouse yeah so do you have like upstairs neighbors and downstairs neighbors and such or? uh we do have upstairs but no downstairs okay. um but uh but the sound it was when we were there the two times that we've been there it's been silent okay and it's been on the weekends so, nice um so yeah Good. so hopefully hopefully that that yeah. maintains i think they uh, put better care into soundproofing the their like individual spaces yeah. than you know this basement suite exactly where yeah doesn't, um, that doesn't matter at all. we're lucky because usually well <laughs> that's not entirely true I, for us yeah several times we've had lawnmowers and yeah that's stuff true we record on saturday <laughs> or people so. moving furniture upstairs <laughs> yeah so i so yeah I, but usually on wednesdays when i record quiver it's not so bad but uh, but yeah, so there are big big changes coming in the future uh, that uh, really won't affect this too much. But but uh, yeah. maybe the quality will get a little bit better as I invest in microphones and all that. You know, I mean, uh, people supporting us over at Patreon.com/slash Thunderquack goes a long way to helping me 
justify that stuff. That's good. <laughs> yeah. um, do we have any Thunderquack news that we need to tell anybody? Um, no. I mean, we had our drawing for the for the holiday giveaway. Yeah. Uh, it was uh, it was a big success. Uh, uh, lots of people joining up with us on Patreon. Great. Um, and uh, and Rosie Tyler, uh, one of our longtime uh, Thunderquack supporters, mm-hmm. won the prize. That feels good. Um, moving forward, we're going to be doing quarterly giveaways. So uh, so the the holiday one is not a one off thing. We'll be doing another one. Uh, towards the end of March, which also happens to be the point in time when Batman v Superman comes out. Oh, so, how appropriate! <laughs> yeah, so so we'll probably tie in the prizes to that. So, uh, <laughs> okay, once all of my life chaos is sorted out, I'll get back to 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 that stuff. Um, uh, organizing that, figuring out what those prizes will be, but we'll have some cool prizes. Um, probably some comics, maybe maybe uh, a soundtrack or something like that. Um, all digital again. All, all digital yeah, prizes. That's yeah, because the, the greatest thing about all digital prizes is that you guys don't have to wait for us to ship them, and we yeah. don't have to pay to ship them. Yeah. So especially from Canada. Yeah, oh, yeah. Especially so from expensive. Canada. Even it's shipped to the states. Yeah. It's ridiculous. Yes. Yeah, so uh, so yeah. Look forward to that. Uh, in order to be entered into those giveaways, all you got to do is go to uh, Patreon.com/slash/Thunderquack and chip in a dollar or more. Uh, per month and uh, and uh, and you'll be entered into into that giveaway. Great. So uh, yeah, cool. Um, but that's it. Yeah, that's basically it. Well, in this episode, I know that uh, I totally dropped the ball and forgot to tell people what we were reading this month. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, although we announced it at the end of the last episode, we so did. if you've been listening to the episodes, you'll yeah. know that we decided to read all six volumes of Scott Pilgrim yeah. over these this couple of months that we were taking a break. So um, we've done that, and yes. we are going to split that up into three episodes. So this this episode, we're going to talk about the first three volumes. Yep. The next episode, we'll talk about the the latter three volumes, and I guess Scott Pilgrim as a whole. Yeah. And then in the third episode, airing at the end of the month, we will uh, talk about the movie and how it compares to the book. Yeah. Yeah. So do you want to jump right into? How do you want to? How do you want to do this? Well. <laughs> First off, let's talk about Scott Pilgrim just sort of yes, in general. Yes, what is Scott Pilgrim? So, uh, or who is Scott Pilgrim? Long-time listeners will know that uh, uh, Scott Pilgrim is, is uh, written by written and illustrated by Brian Lee O'Malley, who I also did Seconds, which we did uh, uh, in 2015. We read that one. Mm-hmm. Great uh, book. Which, which is his latest book. Scott Pilgrim is... I I think I, I would guess I would probably consider it his seminal work, right? I mean, Definitely, it's kind of, oh for sure. It's the thing that everybody knows him for, um, and it is about a slacker kid in Toronto, twenty uh, two year old Scott Pilgrim, who I uh, can't seem to get his life together and doesn't really mind. Uh, he's yeah. in a band uh, that that uh, I, you know he just does it for fun, but I. Uh, he's surrounded by kind of this cast of quirky characters, um, and uh, uh, one of the interesting parts about it is that uh, it it kind of gets into these weird fantasy video game elements, but you're never quite sure is this just Scott's imagination or is this what's actually happening, and uh, <laughs> I, I especially. We'll talk about it in the next episode, but as it gets towards the end, the line between the two becomes very, very blurry. Um, yeah. And I, I, in these first three volumes, I, it sets the premise, which is that 
uh, Scott meets this girl Ramona and in a dream in a dream and she's uh, she's this uh, mystical magical woman that uh, that he falls for immediately um, mostly because she's American and because she has blue hair um, <laughs> I guess purple hair at the beginning uh, I and uh, and once he starts dating her he discovers that he's going to have to if he wants to continue dating her defeat her seven evil ex-boyfriends evil exes evil ex-boyfriends <laughs> in the first three volumes because if you pay attention in reading them in the first three volumes they always say evil ex-boyfriends oh it's not until volume four when the first evil ex-girlfriend right. shows up <laughs> that all of a sudden they start saying evil exes oh so, so which he uh i guess didn't plan that far yeah ahead. he, yeah. he kind of retconned it right yeah. um but yeah so i i, I, I just wonder, thought that, he... that was that was important to so know. even in the color versions they don't alter that yep. dialogue yeah okay the same dialogue yeah okay yeah um, so I read the new color versions. I I have I had already read uh, the the black and white versions, which was the original uh, publications, the original editions. Um, yeah, and I have the black and white ones at home, so I just reread those ones. Yeah. Um, although I would have loved to take the opportunity to read the color ones, but I didn't uh, didn't have them with me. So, um, but I'm I'm a f- huge fan of the black and white ones yes just being black and white i just think that they look so great and something definitely does get lost a little bit i think when color is added but we'll get it we'll get into that we can still talk about we're still kind of introing scott pilgrim yeah. so let's go for that first so yeah he um um he so the first three volumes deal with him fighting the first three boyfriends yeah is that right so the in the first volume he fights um, matthew, patel. matthew patel um and then in the second volume who is it lucas lee oh yeah lucas lee yeah. and then in the third volume it's um todd ingram yeah so um do you want to just kind of tackle them one volume at a time sure yeah um yeah so i mean the first volume like, like you said it's mostly set up right it's a it's a lot of uh, who is Scott? Where's his life at? And then there's, there are some hints at what will happen in the future, but uh, it it uh, it basically begins with him just having started dating this this other girl, Knives Chow, who is a high schooler, <laughs> uh, and uh, and notably Chinese. Yep. Uh, to all of these uh, white Canadian kids, that's a uh, that's uh, uh, a exciting. Which thing. I. I just I mean I don't know Toronto very well, but yeah. I can't imagine that it's lacking in an Asian population there. No, I mean we're in Vancouver, and uh, and especially um, I would say that there are two places uh, in North America where the majority of Asian uh, uh, immigrants have lived at some point. You know, yeah. like started, and it, and it tends to be Vancouver cities. and San Francisco. Um, so so for us. It's definitely uh, uh, the ratio. I mean, I can remember going to school uh, in Richmond as a kid, and it was it was basically one to one Asian to really. To, it's to not like that kids. anymore. It's no. like Peter, my son, is yeah. in grade one, yeah, and he's a, he's only a quarter Chinese, yeah, um, and there are I think maybe two other white kids in his class. Okay, all the rest of them are. Primarily Asian, but of other ethnicities. Yeah. Um, so we have a, a big, definitely a cultural yeah. kind of yeah. um, shift going on uh, here in Vancouver, and they, they come to our coast because that's 
the sea that we're on. Like it's the closest. Yeah. So they're not. The I guess they won't settle over in in yeah. Toronto because not as much. They, they you'll get a whole lot more yeah. European, um, like Eastern European settlers over yeah. there. Yeah. Or so, immigrants. So I think I don't. I don't know that much about Toronto, uh, to be honest. Except they, what's in this book. Except what's in this book. <laughs> to, this is one of the funny things, and and uh, for our American uh, or international listener, listeners, uh, Canada is a very big country, right? <laughs> and there are very large gaps in between. And so let me let me get into a little bit of of uh, uh, science and uh, uh, evolutionary science here. Uh, Darwin uh, in in his uh, his seminal work on on the origin of species talks about evolution as being uh, the most pronounced when you take a small population and you remove it from other similar populations. So uh, Canada is very much like that. People in Vancouver are very different from people in Alberta, in Calgary or Edmonton. Uh, very different from people in Saskatoon. Very different from people in... I don't even know if there are people in Manitoba because I've never met a single person from Manitoba. <laughs> I have. Um, I know there's at least one. I know there's a lot of moose. There's a lot of beavers and that sort of thing. Uh, and then uh, you really can't get that much more different from a Vancouverite than than a, a Torontonian. Well, unless you're um, from Quebec. <laughs> <laughs> unless you're from Quebec or the or Maritimes, in which case, in which case, they're not so much different types of Canadians as they are just aliens from another planet. But <laughs> I, I, no, that's not. Apologies to any East Coasters <laughs> listening <laughs> yeah. to this. This is all, this is all, I, I, this is like uh, when somebody in your, like when you, you gripe about somebody in your own family. Yeah. Right. It's like, we can say it, but the second <laughs> that an American starts digging it, at, at, at oh, we'll feet, push back. Yeah. yeah. It's like, Hey, watch your mouth. Yeah. Um, but you know, it's the same in the states. I mean, yeah. someone from Seattle is going to be very different from someone in yeah. Arkansas or yeah. or Boston or 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 yeah. somewhere in Texas. The, but wherever. the middle of the country tends to be a little bit more samey. You know what I mean? Like yeah. that's uh, that's just a sort of an American thing where you've got the 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 left coast uh, and then you've got east coast and you've got well, you got the middle south America and, and the south, right? But. Uh, but but Toronto, I, I as far as their culture and that sort of thing, I mean, we get we get runoff from it because basically all of TV in Canada comes out of Toronto, um, except for like our local affiliate sort of thing. So so we do get a little bit of that spill off. But but yeah, th- this is a this is an interesting look at sort of their twenty um, something nightlife, right? Uh, and and what and twenty something nightlife from like it's almost a hold holdover from the late nineties. Yeah. Um. So I don't even know if it's completely accurate today. Like his his total slacker attitude is something yeah. of the grunge era. Yeah. Um. From the nineties, which when this first book was written, when was this? Like early two thousand, uh, two thousand and four. Yeah. So yeah, it, it's it's sort of. I think. Yeah. We're yeah, it, rec- it is very ninety nine two thousand. Yeah. Like that's sort of even just based on like the way that they that, that everybody dresses. Yep, and, and the the and, type of music that's portrayed and yeah. and everything. It's it's definitely still sort of the tail end of the grunge movement. Yeah. Um, before we kind of get into this millennial era that we're kind of in now. Yeah, yeah. Because I think that's what this type of person has kind of evolved 
into. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, and and I think like we'll talk about it when we talk about the movie. But the movie definitely embraces a little bit more of the you know uh, mid two thousands, the millennial right aspects of it. Yeah, um, and it gets a little bit flashier and a little bit less <laughs> less yeah. of the the um, I don't know the grungy aspects of it because because. Uh, even even in the colored versions, there is a very uh, there is a very grungy sort of feeling to it. Um, or and early designs of Scott Pilgrim, he's got like a like like this this initial sketch of him that's in the back of the color version. He's got this short leather jacket um, that is very like nineteen ninety seven yeah. MTV totally sort of like it's something that the front front man in a you know, I, yeah, like the uh, well, and like, like the, Rob Thomas. It's something Rob Thomas yeah. would have worn. Well, and he's always he like <laughs> he, they make a big deal about the sweatbands that he wears. Yeah, like yeah. that's a total kind of punk rock thing of the yeah. whatever Blink One Eighty Two or something. And yeah, and um, the Ringer shirts that they're wearing. And yeah, um, yeah sure. it it's just uh it's it's you think, but for some reason it still feels fresh when you read it. Um, it's it it not, does it does kind of it is kind of timeless because even reading it now like it doesn't. Um, it, it it if you know the era you kind of look at it that way. But yeah, and we grew up through that era, so yeah. we probably are. Like, I wonder More how sensitive to it. Yeah, I wonder how a teenager now would respond to it if they would yeah. think it's dated. I'm not sure. The other thing that's um, that kind of of its time is just the style of it. Um, and you, there are a few influences that I can really tell. Um, that Brian Lee O'Malley had when he was doing this book, and one yeah. of them is definitely Ranma One Half, yes. um, Ramiku Takahashi's work, um, which was huge in the l- mid to late '90s. Like yeah. that—that that was one of the anime that first kind of became really, really popular yeah. here on this side of the world. Um, and you can really see the influence in this—just the fight mm-hmm. scenes and the way he draws faces and. Um, just there's a lot of there's a lot of in, into that so that's that dates it a little bit too and then um, once we get into the later three volumes he moves away from that um, yeah. a lot of that kind of stuff he, his his style evolves and, and we'll get into that when we talk about the le- next three volumes as well but, yeah for sure but um, yeah just the the style the underground style of it yeah um, another influence I think he has is um, is uh, Jim Mafood do you know Jim Mafood he yeah, um, yeah. he I, I see a lot of his kind of work in the, in the, the inking style and the shading, the way yeah. he draws his hands and yeah. and that kind of thing too. And and Jim Moffat's another guy that really broke through in the late in the mid to late nineties. Yeah. Um. In the underground scene, so that the the artwork style also reflects the the yeah. era that this was written sure. in as well. Yeah. It's definitely it's definitely not as clean as Seconds, which yeah, like Seconds is almost like. It's pretty streamlined. Yeah, it's it, it is it is a, a hair away from being a little bit too perfect. Like uh, some of the pages almost look more like like t shirt art than <laughs> they do comics. Yeah, um, well, and all of the the backgrounds are are um, nicely rendered in yeah. proper perspective, and yeah. and the character. Like the thing I love about these first three volumes, um, especially is is the fact that everything is so so sketchy like he doesn't use yeah. a ruler for his lines and his inking isn't perfect he you can see that some of it he goes over a couple of times to get his lines straight yeah. and so they're thicker and 
um, yeah, his his huge blocky shadows. Like when you get into the the, the last three volumes, those volumes are pretty slick, and he yeah. uses a lot more of the gradient shading and yeah and all that kind of stuff. So I I appreciate how he started out here, and then the six yeah. volumes it was like over a period of. It, it was, was it was a few years, yeah. It, it wasn't, like yeah. It wasn't sort of one right after the other. There was definitely a wait, and uh, so his time will evolve. Uh, will, his artwork will evolve over time, yeah, for sure. Yeah, because I can remember coming in, and I, I'm fairly certain I came in around volume four um, when when the series was just sort of starting to pick up steam with uh, with with uh, I wouldn't even say mainstream yet because that was more when the movie was coming out. Right. But sort of, uh, at least with the comic crowd, right? You know, yep, sort people of, were taking notice. Yeah, people in comic shops were talking about this Scott Pilgrim series. And uh, and I can remember my friends all reading it first and me being sort of the last one on the <laughs> on the bus with that. But, uh, but then after I read it, going to my friends that weren't in the comic book scene... And saying to like like Amanda who who reads uh, or who does Quiver with me, uh, saying to her like oh you got to check out this Scott Pilgrim it's really cool, um, and uh, and kind of evangelizing it from there and then when we found out that there was going to be a movie it was like what, <laughs> um, I yeah yeah I, so uh, getting back to to the first volume a a it sets the scene. Um, with a, with a, the thing that surprises me about this first volume is that there yeah. are a lot of characters. Yes. Right off the bat, you meet all of his friends, and he's got yeah. like ten of them. Yeah. And, and that's it, a well, lot for one. It's book. like his whole world, right? Yeah. So, so you're introduced to to basically everybody that's going to be a constant throughout the rest of the series. Yeah. Um, and then each volume kind of has a character or two that come in and out. Right. But uh, it it is a very. Um, and I think that this is the thing that does make it timeless is that it is it is very much about the interpersonal relationships rather yeah. than the overarching story. Definitely. And so I uh, Scott's relationship with his roommate, his uh, his fabulous gay roommate Wallace Wells. <laughs> yeah. And I uh, one of the best characters in the book. I, uh, I love him. He's so Wal- funny. Wallace is probably my favorite character from the series. Um I uh, his his bandmates, uh, Kim and uh, Stephen Stills, Stills, which we always you always have to say his whole name. Yep. Um, and then uh, and then you know his sister, uh, Stacy, uh, his uh, 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 Stephen Stills' sometimes girlfriend, Julie. Um, Julie, yeah. I, I and uh, young Neil. Young Neil, yeah. Um, and Wallace's friend, other Scott. Yeah, other Scott. I <laughs> uh, and and. Uh, even Como, who who I uh, who makes several appearances throughout the series in like one panel at a time. Yeah, Co- Como Como's one of the best characters too because he's just kind he, of there. he just knows everybody. Yeah, um, he's uh, but it like that's the thing about it is that everybody kind of has each of these friends in their own life, and that might not be exact representations. But, right, uh, and they're acquaintances. Like you'll yeah. see them at parties or whatever, and you're not yeah. going to hang out with them every day, but yeah. they will show up in your life. Yeah, they're, but they're every, everybody has a Como who literally knows everybody <laughs> yeah. else, right? Um, so yeah, I, I I think that that's sort of the thing, and and it is it is a time capsule for your twenties. And we talked about this when we read Seconds that that Seconds is very much about sort of your late twenties, early thirties. And uh, and and Scott Pilgrim is very much about your early twenties, and uh, and he keeps writing these books, and he's kind of he's a he's a few years ahead of me. So by the time that he's had time to process <laughs> that part of his life, 
and then writes it and puts it out, it's hitting me at exactly the right time, which is why I think Scott Pilgrim ends up being such a, a big influence on me personally. Yeah. Um, right, and I brought um, over for you to see his first yeah, work, Lost at Lost Sea, at sea. Um, which you haven't read yet, and I no. just read this recently. Um, it's And I like it because I'm a fan of the artwork of these first few volumes of Scott Pilgrim, so yeah. this this because this comes before Scott Pilgrim, he's yeah. still full into that style, um, and I really like what he's done with it. Lost um, at Sea has that very indie feel to it yeah it very very much so especially with the other stuff that only press um puts out like it, it's got yeah. a very that kind of feel but it deals with um high schoolers who have just graduated and have kind of need to figure out what they're going to do with the rest of their yeah. life um so and which uh follows that same pattern yeah. of uh where where brian lee o'malley was with probably when uh, he was doing this although that would mean that he was probably a high schooler when he was drawing this? No. No, it, it, it would have been just like a couple of years yeah, later, right? Right. Yeah, but uh, yeah. it's interesting to see where he's come, so I'm going to lend this to you so you can read it and uh, awesome. and uh, catch yourself up there. I'm excited to read mm-hmm. that. Um, so one more thing about um, about this first volume before we jump into the second one is that we are briefly introduced also to the concept of the subspace. Yeah. Um, where, so... Um, Scott Pilgrim meets um, Ramona in a dream, and it turns out that Ramona actually rollerblades through people's thoughts or their minds in order to get from one place to the other. So yeah. she has this job with Amazon.ca, <laughs> which because she's Canadian, or she's in Canada, she's not Canadian. Um, she's working with Amazon.ca in or, or to deliver packages, and so yeah. she travels through people's minds to get to their houses, or something like that. <laughs> it's it's kind of a, an interesting concept, yeah. But uh, like many the of the of the weird, um, magical, mystical, cosmic things that happen in Scott Pilgrim, yeah. it's never really explained. No, and uh, and we're fine. And it's like you yeah. you go along and you're reading it, and it's a very straightforward kind of a normal slice of life kind of book. Yeah. And then they just stick that in there. Yeah. And then it goes away, and then you're reading more of it, and it's a slice of life, life book, and then then you get a little notice that someone's going to actually try to kill Scott Pilgrim, which you think, oh, that's okay. But then they have this battle, and it turns into like a full-on like people flying through the air, yeah, it's, and um, and it's crazy anime battle. It's a right? crazy anime battle, yeah. right under nowhere, and then yeah. the guy turns into a pile of coins at the end, yeah. and then life just goes on as yeah. normal after that, and we go along for the ride, and he builds it up in a way that for some reason we accept that that just happened yeah and and then and then we move on it's not a it's not like a what am i reading kind of a thing it's like oh for some reason it kind of makes sense yes um well i think one of the one of the best things about the whole series is that it is very much a hero's journey um except like with one very important distinction and that's the the hero's journey usually starts uh, w- once the 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 hero crosses the threshold into into the beginning of the adventure, where their world changes, their first reaction is the refusal of the call, right? Right. And that's how most heroes are built, and that's how most mythic stories are told. So Luke Skywalker says, "I can't go to Alderaan with you. I've got work yeah, to do." Right. Yeah. Um. And and it's always sort of that 
that aspect of it. But Scott... <laughs> he's just oblivious. He Like, he's not even paying enough attention to refuse the call. Yeah. Because, like, it, it literally happens. Like, the call to adventure happens when he meets Ramona and then he gets the email from Matthew Patel. Yeah. And he's, like, he's reading through it and he's like, this, this... This is boring. Delete and then and then moves on with his life. And then at the end, he's like, "Didn't you? Didn't you get my email? I, yeah. I challenged you to this fight. You've you've had fair warning." Yeah, and doesn't and he like, like call oh. him on the phone or something? As well? yeah, 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 he calls him on the phone as well in the comic. Um, I, and I, and so Scott, like, he doesn't even need. His whole life is this adventure for him. Like everything that, like it's a, life is a video game. Yeah. He, when he, he looks at people, he sees their stats it. and stuff yeah. like that. So, yeah, yeah, he uh, he's 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 all all up for. Um, yeah, it's it's um, it reminds me of um, it's sort of I can see the parallels between this and Alice in Wonderland. Yeah, where there's a call for adventure. Alice, it just she falls into it. Yeah. Literally falls into it. And um, and then things just happen to her, yeah. and she goes along for the ride. And this is the very same thing here. Is like things happen to Scott Pilgrim. He doesn't go out seeking it. Things just happen to him. Yeah. Whether it's um, Evil X is fighting him, or like he gets kicked out of his place and needs to find a job, but the job happens to find him. Yeah. Instead, so it's like he doesn't actually really do anything. Uh, his quote, his till, friends yeah. his friends are his extended family and they basically take care they of do. him. They do. Make sure that he's not dead in the gutter. Yeah. Yeah. They're very gracious friends. They are. <laughs> they are. Um let's jump into volume two. Okay. So volume two is when I and this this is where uh, it really starts to deviate from what's in the movie. Um because volume two is very much about uh the backstory. Right. Um and we we see a little bit of how uh, how Scott knows Kim, um, this other girl uh, Lisa Miller who who shows up later on. Um, uh, but we get we get sort of a, a look and we see that Scott has always been this oblivious slacker, um, and that people have always kind of been looking out for him and taking care of him. Um, but it's sort of, it's it's all interspersed throughout this second volume, and and we get yet more hints at this uh, this ominous past with uh, with Envy Adams, the uh, the lead singer of the Clash at Demonhead. Yeah, and uh, we don't really know what what went on with the two of them yet, but uh, but we know that it was definitely bad and that it it broke Scott's heart, um, and it's been taken him a really long time to get over it. Um, it's also the beginning of Scott and Ramona's real relationship um, and the the two of them actually kind of being together for a change I I because the first volume is very much about about establishing the characters and and uh, Scott pining after her yeah um, and then there's also the sub story of knives and how she deals with the, 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 the breakup. breakup the yeah. eventual breakup which took too long um, yeah so yeah, it deals with, with, yeah. I mean, just Scott Pilgrim figuring out what he wants and how to, yeah, how to deal with that. Well, so, and, and setting up setting up his emotional baggage because it's going to be important later to see. Um, I mean, there's a lot in this about how Scott has treated women in his life, and yeah. I and and 
when the story starts and you get little pieces of it, you think like, oh, Scott's had bad luck with women. And then in volume two, you start to get the sense of like, ah, Scott kind of brings it on himself, actually. <laughs> he kind of he kind of opens himself up for these these uh, uh, sometimes damaging relationships. Yeah. Um, and uh, and 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 although in his own memory he feels like he's the one that was wronged a lot of the time he's just as much at fault <laughs> oh totally um for 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 what the way that his life has gone um and at the very end of the volume i i as as this sort of the shadow of envy adams looms she i she appears like right there in the in the last three pages along with uh, the rest of her band um but uh, uh, volume two, to be honest, it's probably one of the most forgettable ones, with the exception of of Lucas Lee, who's <laughs> yeah. who's one of the better uh, evil exes. Um, but I, my thing with Lucas Lee is that he is, he's actually he's he, he's dealt with pretty quickly in the in the comic. He is one of the standouts in the movie, uh, definitely. And uh, I, a lot of that is thanks to Chris Evans. Um, we'll talk about in our third episode this month. But uh, yeah, so the other thing that happens in this volume is that Knives and um, and Ramona get into a big fight in the middle of a mall. Uh, library or a reference library? Is it a library? Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, which they save in the movie for the finale. Yeah, which is very a very interesting choice. But I mean, this is an appropriate place for Knife Knives to kind of lash out at. Yeah. Immediately following the breakup. Yeah. Um, And because she's got her own journey to go through through these series of books. Mm -hmm. And um, her journey ends in a very different place than it does in the movie. Yeah. Um, So it's it's interesting that they chose what what the movie decided to take and what they decided not to take. So a lot of this they just left out because it, it is backstory and they just didn't have time to tell that in the movie. Um, well, one one big thing yeah. to note is that the books take place over the course of just a little bit over a year, right? In, in Scott's life, so uh, he he has a lot more time to grow as a person. And the difference between twenty two and twenty three is is significant for him. Not usually that significant for most people, but for knives especially the difference between 17 and 18 yeah. is a huge difference right so knives that we meet at the beginning and the knives that we that we see by the end of the series is a very they're very different characters yeah. um and, and naturally uh, and it's earned yeah totally very much yeah and that's the the brilliance of his storytelling yeah is he uh he organically grows these characters yeah um through the course of these six books yeah yeah for sure um so, like I said, Volume Two is kind of the the other than the things that we've noted. It's almost the least forgettable uh, in terms of what happens in the story. Yeah, um, yeah, I'd say that it's my least favorite volume. Except I actually didn't like, except for Todd Ingram, I didn't like Volume Three very much. Um, uh, but we'll, yeah, you want to jump into three? yeah. So in Volume Three, Volume Three is actually I I I mean the the. The color edition has Envy Adams right on the cover. Now, I, I should say, each color edition there are actually so does, two versions. Oh, yeah. So does the so does the original publication. Um, there are two versions of, of each of the color editions, 
Uh, I have all of the hero versions. There are also Evil X boyfriend or Evil X versions. Yeah. So each each one of the volumes has the Evil X's on them for the for the alternate versions. But she's um, a hero. But uh, but yeah. So these are the hero versions. So the first one's Scott. Second one is is Knives, and then the third one is Envy. Who, um, at first, it seems like she's not going to be that important a part of the story. That she is kind of almost incidental. Yeah. But really, when you look back at the whole series, and I think this is one of the biggest failings of the movie is that is that it does not capture how important to Scott's life. Right. A, his relationship with Envy was, and B, how important Scott is to Envy's development as a human being. Right. So um, this is where we really start to see a lot of that, because this book really flips back and forth between Scott and and Natalie, which is her, her actual name, her uh, their early relationship, uh, actually throughout their entire relationship in Volume 3, um, and uh, and then flipping to present day, and uh, and Scott having to deal with the fact that <laughs> not only is Envy back in his life because she's in Toronto to play a show, but she's brought her new boyfriend Todd Ingram, who happens to also <laughs> be Ramona's third evil ex. Yeah. So I I Envy she puts on a pretty good show, and uh, and and builds herself up as uh, kind of indestructible but um, but but what you really see is that she's actually super super vulnerable and right. it's all just kind of this it's almost the opposite of Scott where Scott is very innocent and oblivious so he is actually invincible because nothing phases him at this point in the story yeah but with envy she's so afraid of being hurt that she crafts this persona yeah. literally changes her name and uh, and 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 kind of destroys everybody else's lives as she goes on to to become super famous and and uh, a, a megastar um, yeah and, and yeah. when she returns she kind of she returns for revenge just as much as Todd does right uh, to, to deal with Scott and to get revenge on Ramona well and also to get revenge on Scott. Yeah, to show that she is successful doing the thing that he loves doing. Yeah, um, which is being a musician. Yeah, um, she she's seeing someone else. Yeah, um, so like her purpose for being there is to try and um, get on to to make Scott feel something. Yeah, um, especially because I think I don't remember where it is in the story we learned this, but um, Scott never actually broke up with her. He thinks that he broke up with her, but he just moved away and forgot to tell her. No, no, that's Kim. Oh, that was Kim? That's Kim. That was in volume two, yeah. In... I thought that was I thought that was Envy. No, that's Kim. He he doesn't we it, see that's the thing with that is that we don't learn the truth of what happens there until volume six. When when he goes to see Kim in their their hometown. Uh, where oh right! Up. Oh yeah! Okay. Yeah. Um, and we'll talk about that because okay, that, yeah, yeah, that yeah. to me is one of the big turning points okay. of the series. Yeah, but Sorry, I'm yeah, so, my characters. <laughs> no, yeah, and Envy definitely. I uh, she destroys him. She becomes a very different person over the course of them dating, but she also like right from the get go, you can kind of tell that she's that it's not going to work out. That yeah. the two of the, that they're very different people. Um, 
but uh, but important to each other nonetheless. Uh, I, which is it, it's one it's one of the things again this is why i think the the series is so relatable i think it's why it's so kind of universally loved is because everybody maybe not necessarily in their 20s but everybody in their life at some point has these relationships all of these relationships yeah and uh, everybody's got that that x that um they were attracted to for one reason or another, but really, like, n- neither person in the in the relationship is good for the other person. Yeah, um, they're both just trying to get something out of it, and uh, and it ends up with everybody getting hurt by the end of it. So um, that that is definitely the relationship with with Envy and, and Scott. Um, one other notable thing is the the that Todd. And uh, and I can never remember the drummer's name, but the two of them are having a secret relationship, right? Um, on the side, and so I I that ends up being a big conflict. Um, and she has a robot arm for no reason yeah. whatsoever, <laughs> I, I, which yep. is which is interesting. It's part of the quirks, and it's something that that doesn't even show up in the movie. Um, I but. Todd, I, Todd's one of your favorite. He's your favorite evil ex, right? Yeah, and I lo- I just love him because of the just the concept of um of him being a, a vegan. So vegans give him superpowers. Being yeah, a he's vegan, got psychic powers. Superpowers. Yeah. And he has this like Dragon Ball esque kind of uh, yeah. fight sequence. Yeah, um, his his hair goes all spiky all, yeah. when when he uh, when he uses his vegan powers. Um, yeah, I think he's just a. Uh, the, and the nice thing about this battle as well is that um, there's a whole team up through um, of a bunch of people that, that pitch in to help yeah. help fight. Which uh, we were saying, d- is this all in Scott's imagination? But yeah. then when people kind of pitch in to fight exactly. alongside of him, then they're in on this as well. So like, yeah. um, um, Envy takes a swing at him because she finds out about the secret relationship, and yeah, um, and then uh, Crash and the boys uh, show up to help. Um, which was one of the other bands at this battle of the bands. Well, the boys and Crash because they're Crash and the boys in their first appearance. Oh yeah. But when they come back, they're the boys and Crash. There's a mutiny. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, and uh, and they they they've perfected uh, music. Is is that in this one? That's in this one, right? Yeah. Where they have the big the, the big, big gloves. Yeah. 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 Um, which I thought they. Yeah. That's. A thing that um, a concept that they put in the movie with the twins. The yeah. twins have perfected the music and can visualize music yeah. and whatever. But in this one, it's this other the, band. The, I, th- I think one of the one of the cool things is that is that because you have uh, uh, so long to tell the story in the comics, you you get to uh, explore all of these different ideas and sort of give them all breathing room. But then when you go to make a movie out of it. You have to you take all the best adapt. And you have to condense it, right? <laughs> and so spiritually, a lot of this stuff is there, um, but uh, but technically, a lot of stuff is missing. Uh, so yeah, I, I always do find that interesting. I never, I didn't draw that that line previously, but but I think you're totally right. Like that sequence is is borrowed actually from from this volume. Yeah, um, um, for sure. The the reason why I think this is my least favorite volume is at this point in the story, Brian Lee O'Malley, 
he loves changing people's hairstyles. Yeah. And in the black and white version, I actually had a hard time keeping track of who's who. Um, Because his eyes, the facial features, the eyes, nose, and mouth are all the same on every character, except for knives. Um, But then, and then when you're changing their hairstyle so often, like, I couldn't keep track of who's Kim and who's Julie and who's Ramona and... Uh, and that I found that to be a little problematic. Um, That's fair. <laughs> in in the color version, I'm sure it's way easier it because is. you distinguish their hair color, yeah. which sets them apart from everybody else. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, um, everybody's kind of got definitely a visual, more visual cues. Yeah, to to let you know who is who. And you can't even like, uh, unlike a lot of cartoon characters as well, they all have they wear different clothes in every yeah. scene, so you can't even distinguish them from what they're wearing. Yeah. Um, as well, I mean, some of them are obvious because they their own personal style is different yeah. than everybody else's but pretty much they all have this kind oh, of you always know who steven stills is because he's always got a western <laughs> right. shirt on right yeah boy shirt but yeah um the other thing i also didn't like about this volume is it just seems so disjointed with all of the flashbacks because yeah. the flashbacks themselves weren't even consistent um sometimes they were because they're different people's flashbacks yeah um and sometimes there there's a few of them that were even little i think um, glimpses of the future or something like that there's some sometime you see one of them in a coffin or something like that which is just like a dream or something but yeah. he does this thing where anytime it's a flashback he makes the borders black yeah um, and so that helps me to determine what is a flashback and what's not a flashback but sometimes I even thought I was confused as to which one was this actually happening in present day oh no this is a flashback or like I had to read it a couple times so um, I just found this one to be a lot more clunkier than all the rest of the books. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. I I, I, I wouldn't disagree with that. Um, I do think it is. It is. It's the middle of the story, and and I think it's a little bit before he knew exactly where everything was going. Yeah. Because definitely uh, in the next few volumes, you start to get the sense of of things building up. Right. Um, and then <laughs> crashing down. Right. But. Uh, but yeah, I I think that does it for the first three volumes. Yeah, overall, it's a solid solid start, and um, he's a great storyteller. He he does some amazing things, and and um, yeah, I think uh, yeah the next three volumes we'll be able to talk about where um, where he's going, and yeah. So why don't we quickly because this has yeah. been a long episode. Let's quickly say what we're going to be reading next month, and then we'll uh, call it. Yeah. So uh, my poll is a, a, a blast from the past that finally came out. Um, <laughs> we uh, we last year, I think in like May or June, yeah, tried to read this, ago. but it ended up getting delayed, um, and so we had to read other comics in the meantime. And I've been waiting and waiting and waiting for this. But uh, uh, Sonic the Hedgehog and Mega Man Worlds Collide: The Complete Epic. Whoa! Um, finally was released. And uh, and and we're gonna read it. That's my poll. That's uh yeah. It's gonna be a. It's a doozy. Yeah, it's, it's gonna be a doozy. It is. It is lots of issues. Uh, it is. Does it say? Uh, Mega Man twenty four to twenty seven, Sonic the Hedgehog two forty eight to two fifty one, and Sonic Universe fifty one to fifty four plus bonus features. Whoa! So yeah, so that's, that's a, over ten issues or something. Yeah, that's a, that's a, it's a lot of comics. It's it's a but you know what? I think it'll be. It'll be really fun. I haven't read a Sonic the Hedgehog comic in a long time, 
and uh, Sonic is where I started with comics. So nice, very important to me, very Good. special to me. Um, the book I've chosen is called Here by Richard McGuire, and it came out just recently, um, maybe a few months ago or so. Um, and it is a completely different type of comic than probably you've ever read. Um, it each page focuses on um, one particular shot of a living room and each page t focuses on it from a different point in history okay. um, and so you get to follow this one room and whatever people have lived in this house or um, you know um, even before the house and after the house um, but it always the camera's always in exactly the same spot in each page just from a different point of view so it's a it's an exercise in non-linear storytelling um, and a different sort of comic than that we've ever read and hopefully uh, it'll be interesting. <laughs> I cool. I thought I thought it was great. I thought it was um, very unique. So we'll see what kind of discussion we can get from that. Awesome. And then our reader poll is going to be uh, what did we choose? Uh, uh, new new X Men. New X Men slash Guardians of the Galaxy: uh, The Trial of Jean Grey, and that one comes to us uh, by way of Matthew Campbell. I think um, that's is that volume four of new x-men or something uh, like that? i believe it's volume four or five of, of all new x-men okay. um you do kind of need to understand the premise of all new x-men but we did read the first volume in like our first episode or yeah something. Awesome. and we actually read the first volume of guardians of the galaxy right at some point. so go so, back and listen to those episodes yeah. so i uh, yeah and and uh and you can get caught up it's they're they're all pretty quick reads um and that was like through. That story itself is like a year, over a year old now, so the characters yeah. are all different now. Oh yeah, it's, it's the world's totally different now. But uh, but yeah, it'll be it'll be interesting to jump back to that, talk about that in a little bit more mainstream, uh, I, and uh, definitely uh, bring together two properties that people uh, are in love with in the recent in recent years. Right. So, okay. Um, Good. But yeah, that's it. That's it for this episode. Great, we'll catch you later, and keep reading comics. For more Pullbox Podcast episodes, you can check out pullboxpodcast.com to submit a reader poll. Uh, you can email thepullboxpodcast at gmail.com. You can also find us at Twitter and on Instagram at pullboxpodcast. And you can follow me, Curtis, on Instagram at Curtis Bidley. And you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at ArkWolf, A-R-K-W-U-L-F. Uh, you, can, you can also find all of our other great podcasts over at Thunderquack.com. And uh, uh, that's the home of the Thunderquack Podcast Network, of which we are proudly a part. And, uh, and if you want to help support all of our podcasts at Thunderquack, you can do that by heading to Patreon.com slash Thunderquack. And, uh, and, and you, can, you can pledge your support over there. Every dollar helps. But uh, if you're a Pullbox fan and supporter, then you'd definitely be interested in the $20 level, which allows you to get all three episodes of the Pullbox podcast, all three of our books, as one lo super long episode uh, right at the beginning of the month, as opposed to having to wait for the individual episodes to be released. So you can find all that at patreon.com slash and all of our other podcasts at thunderquack.com.